Hey everyone, you may be wondering where I've been over the last couple of months. A part of the answer is working on season two of Steve Reed's stories, trying to find some new letters, some new fairy tales, some interesting stuff to read. My file was getting a little thin, and I never liked that. Season two should be ready and available sometime in the <laughs> near future, and I'm really excited about some of the stuff that I've been finding, so we'll see how that goes. The other reason is that I've been working on a couple of other projects, including the one you're about to hear. This one is called Inside Fictions, and it's where I read some original fiction stories that I've written um, that take place in this world at the brink of destruction. Um, there's a little more to it than that, and you can see or read a little bit more about it on InsideFictions.com, but I think it's something that anyone who likes Steve Reed's stories is going to like, and I'm pretty excited about it, and I've been putting a lot of effort into it. That and one other project that I'm going to keep under my hat for a little while. So while I'm working on season two, I'm going to use this channel to give you a preview of Inside Fictions. I expect to put about three episodes on here. So if you're not interested, well, um, I will tag them appropriately, but I really do suggest that you give it a listen because I think they're pretty good. Oh, one last thing before I go. This year I've been working on a storytelling project I call A Year of Stories, and as a part of it, I've been releasing a couple of Kindle books, and one of them has just recently been turned into an audiobook. It's called A Year of Stories, Cobalt Blue, and the reader isn't me, it's a fantastic guy named James Moore, and I highly, highly suggest that you go search Amazon for A Year of Stories, Cobalt Blue, and give the audio sample a listen. It's fantastic. And I'm not just saying that because it's my writing, but James does some really great work with what I gave him. So that's about all I've got. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy Inside Fictions. Take care. Hey everyone, welcome to Inside Fictions. I'm Steve, the writer, bringing you stories from the end of the universe. Hmm. If you haven't been to the website, you probably didn't know about the whole universe-ending thing. Which makes me kind of a jerk for springing it on you like that. Hmm. Sorry. Fortunately, worrying about the end of life itself isn't what we're here for today. We're here to help protect what we can, while Dee and her people deal with the rest. To that end, my job is to be your guide, to share stories from worlds in crisis, and to see what we can do to make things right again. I've managed to transcribe two of these fragments so far, one from a world I'm calling Casual Magics, because they use magic, casually, and the other from a place I've named Time Trials, which I think you'll understand pretty quickly. So sit back, relax, and get ready to take notes. There will be a test, sooner than any of us would like.
I've taken to titling these fragments, both for organizational purposes and because it's fun. The one you're about to listen to is called The Vice Institute, because it's all about the Vice Institute, whatever that turns out to be. They named it the Weiss Institute after Harry Houdini. Yes, that Harry Houdini. His real name was Eric Weiss. You'd be surprised, but not a lot of people know that. They chose the name not because old Harry was secretly a mage. No, he was strictly a tourist, a purveyor of card tricks and slipknots. They decided to name their venerable Institute of the Mystical Arts after a lock and barrel man because in his complete lack of magical talent, yet utter confidence in his terrestrial abilities, Eric Weiss represents everything that an Institute graduate is supposed to be. Magic isn't power. Magic is a tool, like a hammer or a hacksaw. The art of magic is knowing when the tool is appropriate, and when it's just going to cut your finger off. I tell you this while standing outside of the first door. An ominous name for what's little more than about eight feet of wood and a polished bronze knob. Today is the day I take my entrance exam. If I pass, sometime many years from now, I might just be able to call myself a mage. If I fail, I'll get to spend the rest of my life slinging card tricks for idiots in the shadow of Mr. Weiss. 2. I'm greeted at the entrance. Colin. Kim's voice is like music. Kimberly. But her eyes are the color of quicksilver. What are you doing here? I didn't know they let make-believe mages sit in for the exam. She's been using magic, which is strictly forbidden before the test. Tisk, tisk, tisk. At least I'm going to get to sit for the exam, Kim. Check the mirror lately. She pulls out an expensive phone in a lavender case and stares at herself for three heartbeats before going paper pale. I... You should probably go to the bathroom and unwind whatever study aid you've been running before the proctor sees you. If you're really lucky, you might even get back before she locks the door. Once the first door locks, it doesn't open again for a full year. I've heard of would-be mages who miss their exam time and set up camp in the abandoned subway line where the door manifests, hoping that if they waited long enough, a proctor might take pity on them. As far as I know, they're still out there. The Institute isn't well known for its pity. I'm going to make it back, if I have to break time and space in half to do it. And, Colin? Yes, Kim. Thanks for the heads up. And sorry about the make-believe mage thing. Yeah, don't worry about, even though it's completely true. Kimberly Hightower and I have known each other for five years. We were going to the same college when we awoke. It happened on the same day, if you can imagine that. I was trying to cook some ramen and nearly set my apartment on fire with a misplaced evocation. She woke up from a nap floating three feet above her bed. Needless to say... We were both transferred to the Hightower Academy the very next day. 
Yes, that high tower. Which brings me to the difference between Kimberly and I. Magic runs deep in the high tower line. They've been mages since before we had a proper name for it. I, on the other hand, am the first McNabb to show even the slightest inkling of magical competency. The fact that the Weiss Institute even looked at my application is almost as surprising as Kim made it out to be. She sneaks back in with about 30 seconds to spare. I place a hand on her shoulder. Kim, what kind of spell could be worth ruining your chance at the Institute? She brushes my hand away, a tight smile spreading across her pale lips. I'm surprised you didn't notice, Colin, considering the way you're always staring. It was a glamour. It was time to put on makeup. She winks and slides past me towards her seat, just as the proctor begins. Three. You have one hour to complete your exam. You'll be assigned a partner and placed in a bubble of isolation. Your job is to escape. If you manage to do that in the time allotted, you will be allowed to study here at the Weiss Institute. If you don't, you'll wake up a few hundred miles away, unburdened of any knowledge that might help you find your way back again. Good luck. The proctor must have cast a spell in the silence between sentences, because as she says, good luck, I feel a sensation like rushing water pouring over me, into my eyes, my mouth, my very being. If it were water, I would have drowned in an instant. Instead, that instant passes, and I find myself standing in a small, nearly black room in front of Kim Hightower. You've got to be kidding. She looks about as happy to see me as I'm not surprised to see her. I've been told that the Institute likes to do things like this during the exam. But two candidates who don't speak the same language, or are embroiled in a blood feud, together as partners. They think it builds character. Kim, I understand, I really do, but we don't have time for this. Remember when you apologized a few minutes ago? Can we pretend for just, like, an hour that you actually meant it? Colin, you're a nice guy and all, but I'm not going to be denied the Institute because they think it's funny to partner me with some wannabe wizard from a no-name family. Her eyes start to lose their color again. If you want to know the scariest thing in the world, try being trapped in a trans-dimensional bubble with a pissed-off mage sporting serious anger management issues. Calm down, Kim. We have 55 minutes left to figure this thing out, and accidentally snapping me in half isn't going to help any. She lets out a sigh like a gunshot. Right, right, you're right. We're here together, whether we like it or not. Good. I'm glad you agree. Now for the harder problem. Where in the nine hells are we? Four. You need two things to break a spell. The first is knowledge. The second, power. With Kim here, we have plenty of power. Our problem... Our problem is our complete lack of knowledge. Specifically, neither of us have any idea what a bubble of isolation actually is. <sighs> it's no illusion, Colin. The first thing I cast when I got in here was a sea true. Nothing happened. Even if I wasn't powerful enough to break it, which I doubt, 
it would have at least reacted. Unless, of course, it's designed not to react to simple counterspells. Remember layered defenses from the Academy? Binding wards together in a chain so that an attacker can't tell whether his counters are having an effect? This could use the same principle. Don't be stupid, Colin. There are about 50 students taking this test. Which means 25 bubbles. Even a group of institute mages would be pressed to hold something like that together for an hour. And even if they could, that kind of power would leave marks everywhere. She's right. The strangest thing about this spell is that it seems to have left absolutely nothing behind. Magic leaves marks, and the more magic you use, the deeper the scars it leaves on the reality surrounding it. Something like this should leave the type of wounds that even a mage fresh off of his awakening could see. The fact that it hasn't. If it isn't an illusion, then what could it be? Maybe some kind of dimensional magic? She could have put us in a pocket universe somewhere. If she had, all the scars would be on her side. Kim offers. Don't you think that's a little dangerous? There's as good a chance as any that we would have ended up in a place without oxygen, or where gravity worked backwards or something. Dimension magic is too unreliable. Unreliable? Dangerous? This is the Institute, not the Boy Scouts, Colin. You think they're going to let a little thing like danger stop them? Maybe that's the whole point of the test seeing whether we can survive something real for once. I mean, maybe, but... You know what? Just shut up. We've been standing around here for nearly 30 minutes, and we're no closer to figuring any of this out. All this talk is just a waste of precious air. And what do you suggest we do instead? I suggest we do things my way. And what way is that? The one where you sit back, close your mouth, and let me show you how a real mage solves problems. 5. Kim spends the next 15 minutes running through every counterspell in the book. Blaylock's on summoning, the Etruscan Blade, the Grand Phantasm. She even tries a primal gag, where the mage summons an imp to convince the spell to unweave itself. That one was kind of fun to watch especially after the imp started chewing on Kim's hair. In the end, none of it brought us any closer to getting out. It did, however, give me time to think. This is a school for magic, one that attracts the greatest mages on the planet. Some of the people here make Kim look like a rank amateur. When you're dealing with that kind of power, how do you come up with a spell they can't crack wide open? I think I know the answer now. Kim, I thought I told you to close your mouth. Her eyes are deep silver. The air around us burns in the aftermath of her craft. I have an idea, I think. You think? We have less than ten minutes to get out of this room. I've been breaking my neck trying to... Kim, I really think... Stop thinking. That's your problem, Colin. You're weak. Your magic is weak. So all you do is sit there with your head in your hands and think. I stand. What are you even doing? Just sit back down and stay out of trouble, okay? I walk towards the nearest wall, running my hands along its surface. Great. So you've gone insane, then. That's exactly what we need. 
I moved to the opposite wall, running my hand across. Bingo. I start to laugh. Kim starts to scream. I hope you think it's funny when we're wandering through the desert trying not to die. I pull. A door that is not a door cracks open. Light streams in. When my eyes clear, there is the classroom. Kim's jaw almost touches the ground. She spins me around by the shoulders, her eyes boiling. What did you just do? I brush her hands away. Now it's my turn to smile. Nothing. That was the point. We weren't trapped in a pocket dimension. There wasn't any illusion. The bubble of isolation isn't even a real spell. All she did was transport us into a dark room without a doorknob. It's a parlor trick. Misdirection. Sleight of hand. Pure Eric Weiss. I kept asking myself, how do you keep the most powerful mages in the world from undoing a spell? The answer's simple. You don't give them a spell to undo. As the sentence leaves my lips, I wink and slide past her into the light. Dee wants to learn as much as she can about our new friends Colin and Kimberly. She's gone as far as sending one of her intradictors to the Institute to investigate. Still, she could use our help. I've posted a couple of assignments on the website. If you come up with anything, drop me a line, and I'll pass it along. For now, here are some phone calls Dee sent me from a time travel agent named Chris. Apparently, time machines are common enough in this world to warn a 1-800 number. For that reason, I'm calling this fragment Temporal Crisis Hotline. Welcome to the Temporal Crisis Hotline. This is Chris. How may I assist you? Huh. It really worked. It? Nothing. Just didn't think you would pick up. Sir, you'll find that we pick up pretty much all the time. Oh, I guess you would. In that case, I have a little problem. Most people who call us do. But it's kind of dumb, and really it's all my fault. Go on. You see, the company I work for does these quarterly evaluation things, It's just a lot of math questions, some programming stuff. They aren't hard, if you study. But I've been so busy planning this wedding, the cake, the flowers, the venue, the videographer. Did you know you need to hire two cameramen? Do you now? Yeah, apparently it makes it easier when you have a big venue. I would imagine. Anyway... The evaluation is tomorrow, and I don't think I'm going to do so well. 
And if I fail it, I'm not going to get my bonus this year. Which might make all those new cameramen a little difficult to pay for. Exactly. Is there... Is there anything you can do to help? I think so. How many days do you think you would need to study? I don't know. Five? Could you do five? Is that too much? We can do five. Seriously, you can give me five free days to study? Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We can't give you free time. There's no such thing. Even we can't just invent new days. What we can do is give you another opportunity to make better use of the time you already had. Huh. Will I remember everything that I know now? Of course you will. It would be sort of pointless otherwise. In that case, I'm in. So, what do I need to do next? Quite a lot, as you might imagine. But first, I have to send you over to Billing. They'll take care of you from here. Wait, is this going to be expensive? Well, that depends on how much you think five extra days of your life should be worth. That's probably a good point. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate the help. Don't thank me. You make time for us, and we'll make time for you. They pay you to say that, don't they? Call two. Temporal Crisis Hotline. Chris speaking. How may I help you? It happened again. I'm sorry? It's Larry. You're going to have to be a bit more specific. I called here a few weeks back about that girl I was trying to ask out. Oh, I think I remember. Then you'll also remember that this is the fourth time I've called you guys. In a month. That can't be healthy. That's what you told me the last time. Sounds like me, but honestly, I wouldn't know. Why is that? I answer phones at a time travel company. Oh, got it. Well, I need your help again. Larry, would you mind if we started from the top? Fine. Like I said, I was trying to ask this girl out. Hannah Metz? Please don't give me names. Right, right. Well, I've tried to ask her out, but I keep messing it all up. This time I wanted to buy a bunch of flowers, but I don't know. I must have filled out the form wrong, because they sent over a big pile of lilies. That doesn't sound so bad. Lilies are funeral flowers, Chris. I can't just give her a bunch of lilies. I might as well go out and kill her grandpa myself. Don't you think that's a little three days? What? I need three days to try again. If you guys give me three more days, I promise I can get it right. I don't really see why you need to go back in time for this. Can't you just order the right flowers today? Prig Cal. Right. No names. He asked her out yesterday. So no, I can't order them today. Do you mind if I put you on hold for a second? I'm going to have to run this one up. 
We try to avoid stepping on free will when we can. The last thing we need is Hannah or this other guy calling us up and starting some big fuss. Yeah, no problem. Still there? I am. We can give you two days, but that's it. If you can't manage it this time, you're on your own. Honestly, Larry, you might be better off staying home. There's some things you just can't change, no matter how many times you go back. Two days? Perfect. Were you even listening to me? Don't worry. I'm going to get it right this time. I promise. Of course you will. I'm going to send you over the billing now. Okay, Larry? Thanks again, Chris. Not a problem. You make time for us, we'll make time for you. Call three. Temporal Crisis Hotline. This is... I need to find my keys. What? I lost my keys, and I need to find them. Where are they? I have absolutely no idea where your keys are, ma'am. If this is about money, I'll pay you. I just need to find my keys so that I can get to work. I would love to help you. Then help me. I thought this would be easy. It's just a set of keys. We don't find keys. We help send people back in time. Do you need to go back in time for anything? Why would I need to do that? I don't know. Maybe you could go back to yesterday before you lost your keys? Would I know where my keys were? Did you know where they were yesterday? If I did, I wouldn't be talking to you now, would I? Could you please just transfer me to someone who can find my keys? You do know that this is the temporal crisis hotline, right? Wait. Oh, now I know what this is. You're looking for the Clairvoyance Crisis Center, aren't you? I am? Yeah, this happens all the time. We have almost the same number. Try again. This time replace the last six with eight. Wait, did you just hang up on me? Call four. Temporal Crisis Hot. I need to find my keys. Call five. Temporal Crisis Hotline. If this is about keys, you have the wrong number. Wh- what? I'm sorry. It's been a long night. My name is Chris. How can I help you? I just killed someone. You did what? I killed someone. He's dead. Right in front of me. I'm looking at him now. And you're sure he's dead? Have you called the police? An ambulance? He's dead, and no, I don't feel like going to jail tonight. I haven't called anyone but you. Why did you do it, then? Doesn't matter. It was a mistake. I want to go back and fix it. Of course it matters. You don't just go around killing people. If you knew Hen... No names. That's right. If you knew him, you might not be so quick to judge. Right. Sorry. Listen, it's beside the point anyway. Is it? I'm guessing that you want to go back and instead of killing him, 
buy a ham sandwich or go bowling or something. Yeah? That's the long and short. Right. Well, that's impossible. And why's that? Because he's dead. I know. That's why I want to go back. I get it. But that's not how this works. We can send you back. But he's still dead. That's what dying is. We can't bring him back to life. We're not God. But you can send me back before I killed him. We can, but the second you got back to now, he would just die again. He might fall off a bridge or choke on a skittle or decide to take up competitive ski jumping. I can't tell you how it will happen, but he will die. I always do. What the hell is the point of going back in time if you can't change anything? You can change plenty. Just not that. And why not? Dead things stay dead. It's the only thing they're good at. That's so... Stupid. Tell me about it. Uh, are you okay? I'm fine. If you can't fix this, then what can you do? We can send you back anyway. Keep you from getting arrested. He'll still die. But they won't be able to trace it back to you. Will I still remember what I did? Unfortunately. There's nothing you can't... Again, not something we can do. This happens every single time. Without fail, I'm sorry. That's... Okay. How much time do you think you'll need, then? If you tell me that, I can transfer you to billing, and they'll get you squared away. I think I'm okay. You mean, you don't want to go back? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure if you stay there, you're going to jail. I understand you're probably upset right now, but if I'll still end up responsible for this, what's the point? The point is, is there anything I can do to convince you to take my good advice? Not this time, Chris. Wait, have we spoken before? Take care. Wait, don't hang up. I appreciate all the time you've made for me. And there we have it. We're not looking into the hotline yet. Too much work left to do on the Institute. Still, it makes you wonder what it must be like to be Chris, and whether after all the calls he's taken, if he's ever used the hotline himself. Questions for another time. Thank you for joining me today on Inside Fictions. We're going to spend the entire month investigating the Vice Institute, but I still have plenty of fragments and plenty of worlds to share with you in the meantime. So stay tuned for that. And also, be sure to visit the website, InsideFictions.com, to follow the investigation and learn more about what we know so far. If you're feeling particularly industrious, you can even participate by clicking on assignments and seeing what needs to be done. Until then, I guess it's about time for me to send D my update. Hopefully I don't go blind again. <laughs>